Hey everybody, it is uh, another fabulous episode here of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. I hope you've joined us this week in hopes of having your wildest motorcycle dreams fulfilled and stick around. That may just happen or you may just leave this show entirely disappointed, a disappointed wreck of humanity. All right, stick around and uh, let's see what happens. Let's see what goes down on this show. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. My skin met the asphalt, but these new ki- new ways kit my... All right, a couple of blurbs. Whatever they do with cocaine. The victims. I mean, guests. It's, it's usually such a horribly set up fight. It's a cafe racer with Alloy Manx Racing Tank. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Yeah. You know, after this interview, I sound like a fat, hairy, bearded slob. Long hours in the uncomfortable seat. Kangaroos are just leaping down the street every day. Um, all right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? I don't have it perfected. I have to stop talking shit. My wife's like... You're 41 and started a race career. Yes, I am guest number 632. As big as motorcycle entry is, very few people have actually ever even laid eyeballs on a Confederate. I thought it was a good book. I I didn't want to put it down. I wanted to know what happened next, but it was not my typical genre. (laughs) I'm Cammie, and I'm, I guess, one of the leaders. (laughs) And I'm Nikki, and I'm one of the leaders. Part of the thing with hooligan racing is... Bikes are so big and the motors are so big that most of the time powered by an issue. Keep your knees in the breeze and the cheddar in your cheese. Time to get weird with creative writing. Oh yes, time to get very weird, my friends. Very weird. Uh, hey, I wanted to say a big shout out to uh, big shout out to Christopher Christoph Wiggins, who you may have heard. Uh, in there, in the intro, he is going to be on the show a little bit later. I know we've been, uh, every week we've been like, hey, he's not around, he's not around. But this week he is around. And I also wanted to give a gigantic shout out to uh, some people here before we get into the show. Huge shout out to our patrons. Uh, I wanted to say thank you, everybody who has been making a huge difference and who has actually helped creative writing uh, start to pay for itself. Um Thank you so much to the guys and girls who are patrons. And I do want to say, cause there's a couple patrons that I need to send your stuff out. I just, uh, just went through a stack of mail and papers that I thought went out last Friday in the mail. And lo and behold, your little, uh, your stuff's here. So I got it. The patron, uh, goodies will be mailed out to the last two patrons, which was Narissa and uh, Jerry. So you guys are going to be getting some stuff in the mail. Uh, I also wanted to say thanks to some of the people who have been listening on SoundCloud. We're going to go over the SoundCloud stats in a sec. Um, And the Motorcycle Podcasters admin, um, the riders, like all my team members, and also my old lady, Miss Creative Writing, for all the help we've been getting. The listener writers, my two teammates, Paul and Chris, the admin, of course, for, for doing all this crazy stuff for all of us and uh miss creative writing thank you so much for all you've done all right 
moving into the first few minutes of the show here, I did want to give a big shout out to all of our listeners. I have not done this in quite a long time, uh, but the good old US of A, top country, of course, I'm here, you know, Australia, Canada, Denmark, and the UK topping out the top five. Listen, guys and gals in these countries, I would love to know what's going on in Australia. I'd love to know what's happening in Canada, Denmark, and the UK. I know there's tons of crazy cool writing happening over there and tons of crazy fun stuff. And uh, yeah, reach it, uh, give us a little knock on our door by sent, dropping an email in our box, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com, and let us know what's happening in these countries. I want to know what the writing's about. I want to know what season it is. I want to know what the good info, the 411, or I mean, I guess if you're in the UK, it's like the 011. I don't know what it is. Whatever number you would call for information. I guess you just look it up on Google. But um, yeah. Also, Germany, Ireland, Sweden, New Zealand, Japan, France, Brazil, Malaysia, Belgium, Hungary, the Russian Federation, Austria, Mexico, Taiwan, India, Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, Israel, UAE, Turkey, Ecuador, Ukraine, Colombia, Pakistan, Indonesia, Argentina, Republic of Moldova, El Salvador, Poland, Republic of Korea, Spain, Netherlands, Belarus, and the Philippines. That's just this last month. And I do want to say... Congratulations to all those countries in the World Cup qualifiers. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, I think Mexico is doing pretty good. I don't see Mexico on here, but, uh, oh, yeah, there, there they are, Mexico, three plays. Uh, Mexico, good going. And uh, Australia, I think you guys lost this week, but I think it's okay because Mexico had to win. I think they did and it helped you out. So thank you to all those countries. Like I said, I want to know what's happening in these countries. I want to know... Uh, you know, what the writing is and, and what's good, what's uh, been happening in these places. Um, the top cities in the last 30 days, San Jose, California, Brisbane, Australia, Copenhagen, Denmark, uh, LA, L- LA, California, uh, Atlanta, Georgia, Chicago, Ottawa, Canada, uh, Wichita, Kansas, Arlington, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Hey, I think I know Arlington and Washington. I think I know a couple people there that might be listening. So thank you everybody who's been listening. Of course, I, I don't know who this is, uh, in Alora, Canada or Melbourne, Australia. I think Melbourne, maybe daily bikers, Dan, or maybe Aussie Chris. I think he's not in Melbourne. I think he's in the other big city in Australia, Adelaide. No, I forget, but, uh, also London, UK and Van Los, Denmark. I hope I pronounced that right. Because uh, I want to hear about what's happening, what's going on over in, in, in uh, Denmark. Berlin, Germany, Richmond, Australia, Ron, Denmark, and Edmonton, Canada. Go Edmonton Oilers. That was used to be my favorite team to play on Blades of Steel back in the Nintendo days. But uh, yeah, so thanks, guys. Thanks, gals. Thanks, people. Whatever your, uh, whatever your gender or whatever your... Uh, you know, even if you're an alien and not a human, thank you for listening to the show. Beam it into outer space if you want. I don't care. Uh, also, I did want to say thank you to, like I mentioned before, the admin at the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. I got some results. Uh, how did me and the team do this last week? Well, let me tell you. We, uh, we came in fourths so far. Uh, the competition this year was incredible, actually, and I thought we'd be doing a little bit better. Because and I forgot how many teams there were. There's six teams this year. I think last year there was just there were six, but only like uh, only four of us really rode. So this year 
Um, the NPC stats, there was 167 submissions this week, the for week one. Um, 10,917 listener miles and uh, 3,490 podcast miles, just shy of uh, 3,500. Altogether, 14,407 miles. That's uh, 14 and a half iron butts uh, between all the people that are, uh, that are riding. Creative writing was number one in the miles. So we got the bonus points. Thank you, Mr. Sing Syme for riding the most out of all the podcasts. Um, the writer, the listener writer who wrote the most was Brian Honeycutt. And he's been, you've heard him on probably motorcycle man and throttled. And I think he was even on, uh, motorcycles and misfits. He stopped by the garage Yeah, he's been on a bunch of the shows. So he rode like 1900 and something miles. He he was like 32 miles short of a double iron butt, like 2000 miles. So that and Connie Bamboo riding for girl on a moto rode like 1700 some, some odd miles. Uh, because she rode from like Austin to SoCal somewhere. So yeah, lots of miles by those two riders. Um, in the first position, first spot going for the, uh, podcasts, um, we have throttled with 543 points, loud pipes in second with 515 points, motorcycle men in third with 496 points, creative riding in fourth with 467 points, Girl on a Moto in fifth with 445 points, and uh, Moto Nobodies in sixth with 274 points. Uh, that dude, I'm giving him a big round of applause because he's doing what I did the first year, which is riding by himself. And Lord knows it was hard enough with four teams to come in third. <laughs> Uh, with six teams and uh, the crazy army of people that Girl on a Moto has, it's going to be a lot harder for that guy to uh, rack up points all by himself. So Loud Pipes is only, uh, if, if, if Throttled is uh, position one with 543, Loud Pipes is 28 points out of uh, the top there. That's like one decent city, not even a good city. Uh, Motorcycle Man is 47 points out, which is, again, just one good city away. Uh, creative writing is 76 points out of the lead, which is a really good city or a couple good cities and maybe the flash challenge out of the lead. Um, girl on a moto is 98 points out of the lead, which is almost a hundred and uh, moto nobodies is 269 points out of the lead. So the guy from that podcast, uh, is going to be, I think his name's Zion or no. I don't know. I forget what his name is, but, uh, he's going to have a lot of work. Uh, but again, the flash challenge, I, last year I did the flash challenges and rode my buns off and was able to catch up and was only 13 points out of stealing second place away from the motorcycle men. I cannot believe that we are 40, 496 and 467. So we are again, right behind motorcycle men by just, uh, 30 some odd points here. So wait, what, what do they have? 496. We have 467. So yeah, we're like 29 points behind them again. So we're not going to let that happen again. We're not going to let motorcycle man beat us again by a mere, you know, few points, like not even a good city, a crummy city name. So we're hoping for for a good draw. This week's letters are, uh, B E N O C P. Uh, me and the boys got it all hammered out and they are riding like a bunch of maniacs. 
Um, I took a break today because my family was out of town and they just got back in town. So what I did is uh, I've been watching loads and loads of stuff on the old television um, on BN Sports. I've been talking to you guys about that for a little while. So I kind of took a break and hanging with the fam. I'll get my riding in tomorrow and over the weekend. And I'm looking forward to that dreaded flash challenge. So, yeah, we're looking pretty good for the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge uh, so far this year. We're, we're, we're in fourth. We're mid-pack, but I'm not dreading it, you know? We're only uh, a really good city name out of uh, first place. So I'm not too, uh, too threatened by it. And at any rate, the riding that I did this week uh, that all of us did, uh, really, really fun and took me to some crazy places that I'd never been before. And that uh, I saw a lot of cool stuff. So um, I'll probably talk about this afterwards with the, with the guys. We're going to get together uh, after the challenge ends in three weeks. And we will discuss all the riding and all the crazy places uh, we went and things we saw and uh, maybe things we did. So, yeah, that'll be fun to talk about. And in the meantime, let's get on to a little bit of news and but more of like a what grinds my gears segment. All right, everybody. The first order of business in the grinds my gears department is I just saw something recently on CARB, which is the California Air Resources Board. Everybody loves to talk smack about CARB, uh, especially people that don't live here, how crummy it is. Uh, California bikes uh, have uh, like this little canister, carbon canister, that helps to uh, trap emissions in a charcoal activated, you know, basically it's like a water filter, like what you'd put your, your water through before you drink it. Uh, you know, a lot of Brita filters basically has a stupid carbon charcoal canister in it, right? And uh, so that's basically what California bikes have. Sometimes they have some additional air cutoff valves and all this other stuff. We're probably the reason for reed valves on old bikes to uh, inject or, and secondary air injection systems. I know we're the reason for all that stuff. And it's basically just injecting air uh, into your combustion chamber to burn uh, unburnt fuels so that you don't get them coming out the tailpipe. Yep, that's carb for you. Carb also is the reason that uh, super high horsepower motors don't make any power because um, like I used to have a water-cooled Volkswagen, one of the first things you would do as a performance mod is to pop off the old muffler, well, yeah, the muffler right, I think it was right after the, uh, the header you would pop it off and there was a little donut in there and it was really restricting exhaust. And so you could gain five horsepower just by taking that little donut out because here it's restricting your your flow down into this little tiny hole, <laughs> you know, pop that out and you have free flow right to the cat. So it wasn't like a crazy, like, you know, crazy to exhaust, you know, from an aftermarket place cat back or anything, but just doing that could really, uh, influence the car so all sorts of crazy stuff just to pass california emissions and now carb is attacking lawn equipment now any any modern motorcycle you'll notice and and car or whatever it is you might notice on old vehicles the uh they had rubber dampers in between the head the cylinder heads in between the fins and stuff like especially a lot of old air cooled stuff 
and you might still be able to buy some stuff like that. A lot of new bikes, you'll take off your clutch cover or something and you'll see like a rubber damper in there and you're like, what the hell is this for? And maybe more than one cover has rubber dampers on it and even even uh, some of the old air-cooled stuff. Let me think of what bikes they have. Um, I want to say like some of the Yamaha and Suzuki like cruiser models have like double covers on the heads and uh, over the valve train and stuff and sometimes those will have rubber dampers in it and it's for noise emissions because carb not is california air resources board but they also govern all sorts of regulations including noise emissions and uh so for here the, the reason i'm talking about all this is because first they uh they restrict your exhaust and everything by not letting it get too loud and we're seeing that even at racetracks and stuff there's a lot of racetracks out here we've talked about paris we've talked about sonoma um and almost anywhere now that uh especially and, and motor motocross tracks the more people are moving out into the uh rural parts where motocross tracks are um even they're getting hit so People don't want to hear engine noises. So carb cuts down on that and uh, restricts your uh, emissions and makes you be quiet. And then also all these dampers that I've just mentioned is for sound. You know, you don't really know how noisy a valve train can be or engine vibrations get working, like especially on the old air-cooled motors, get working on those fins. And if you're familiar with like Tesla and any of his um, theories on like vibration and resonance and all that stuff, you can create quite a lot of noise by getting things to vibrate at the same time. Hey, look at a piano or a guitar, right? Getting all the strings to vibrate in a certain rhythm, making music. So a lot of engine covers, a lot of drive components, a lot of uh, anything with moving parts around it will have these rubber dampers underneath it. And in the old days, the fins even in between the cylinder heads would have these little rubber like biscuits shoved in between them to keep them from vibrating so much and in LA specifically in Southern California hippie town uh, actually I take that back um, Northern California is pretty much hippieville all of Northern California but uh, SoCal is um, I don't know what you'd call it like yuppie hippie where they don't like their noise but they like their money and their big fancy emission regulated cars but um, lawn equipment apparently they don't like because it's noisy and so there's certain uh, certain neighborhoods that think it's really awesome that you don't have leaf blowers and stuff like that that's what I really saw this on was Carb was attacking leaf blowers and riding lawnmowers and stuff like that well cities use them not not just uh, the gardeners you know it's not just like uh, private gardeners cities use them too Uh, I've seen multiple cities around here where the uh the old trolley used to run in the middle of the boulevard here all the way down back in the at the turn of the century before cars were really a thing and now it's just a super wide median where the trolley tracks used to be and uh kind of preserving local socal history but now there's a lot of area to mow so they use these big huge riding mowers and those could be going away so not only are they people love to rag on them because they mess up uh motorcycle fun and you know outlaw two strokes and lead in the friggin i don't think that was the was carb but they do outlaw a lot of 
stuff and make, you know, a lot of stuff harder to get into California. Royal Enfield had to get special, you know, I remember when you couldn't buy a Royal Enfield here. Um, there's a couple bikes I know right now that are, don't pass like it's Suzuki T250X. You can't get those here in California. There's a few bikes you can't get here in California because they don't have uh, carb approved equipment. And so, yeah, people love to rag on them for, for uh, messing up our uh, fun. But for, for Pete's sake, they're messing up even uh, entrepreneurs trying to make a living gardening. So that kind of grinds my gears. Next thing that kind of grinds my gears, Harley moving to Taiwan gets the mean tweet from Trump. Now, one, you know, it's super funny, and I love that uh, he. I love to just. I don't know. I I always talk about Harley and how bad they're doing it, and I, and I noticed that ever since the show started, I have, and that's because they keep making the news with all these brake recalls. Uh, the power tuner thing, the Department of Justice coming after him for the power tuner and uh, emissions stuff, like the and the EPA and CARB making a uh, an example of Harley, you know, selling power tuners that make their stuff super not emission legal, and uh, and now them moving to Thailand and all that stuff, and now uh, the ten year thousand bikes in ten years and all this crazy stuff. Everything I've talked about, you know, in the past few years, I love to talk about Harley and their declining profits, and that's because they're the king of the hill. They're their easy target, and they're are one of our only main manufacturers here in the states. But I'll be damned. Now Trump is going after him too, just after he had told them like a few months ago that he loved them and <laughs> he was going to help them out. Gave them big tax cuts. Everybody that got a tax cut uh, turned around and gave it right back to the shareholders and did nothing for the local economy or the employees, which kind of sucks. But now, the guy who complained about getting mean tweets and being made fun of on Saturday Night Live is now giving Harley Davidson shit for going to Taiwan and uh, or Thailand after he create he you know puts tariffs on raw materials that they use to make bikes which is i think they said it was going to add like $250,000 uh don't quote me on that i should actually right now i'm going to rescind that statement i don't remember exactly what it was it might have been much less than that but it was going to be a huge amount of money that it was going to cost them uh to their bikes and it was going to add they said about two thousand dollars per unit to uh, their motorcycle so if you don't want their prices to go up two thousand dollars per bike which they're already getting sort of outrageous um yeah maybe you do need to go to another country and he pulled out of the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and I remember Matt Levitich was asking him before he did that if he would reconsider because the whole thing of of them, the whole tariff thing that Trump said was like uh, unfair that we get tariffed in other markets. Um, the whole he could have done something about that by making negotiations in the TPP, and uh, when he pulled out, it kind of hosed Harley and other people and so now he's like well now we're gonna like impose these tariffs on the eu and then they're like okay well fine we're gonna impose these tariffs on your bikes and so harley has to move to another country to have their stuff made there in order to ship it to the eu because stuff coming from the u.s is gonna get taxed like 25 percent and my friend and i at work got into a little debate about it 
And my deal is that you can't say that you're going to make manufacturing better for people here and make jobs grow and then uh, and promote American manufacturing and then have people levy tariffs on the stuff that the materials that people need to build stuff. So that kind of grinded my gears. And then the tweet about Harley that they shouldn't uh, have their bikes made in other countries after you kind of like forced their hand twice, uh, you know, and then you have (laughs) all your stuff made in other countries. Like, I don't know. I just, I just, it rubbed me the wrong way. And, um, the positive thing is, is that Harley is going to move to another country. The people that like the bikes there are going to buy them and maybe they will become more affordable for other markets or be introduced into other markets where they are affordable. And ultimately, Harley will gain in profits. You know, their profits will go up. They won't, and they won't be doing any of this crappy dumping that they were doing a couple years ago that they, you know, made all, made their dealerships take these bikes and then count them as sold at the factory level when in fact these dealers had to take them and they were like just drowning them. So hopefully we'll be selling to other markets like Asia. And um, I mean, could you imagine if, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to, go on and on about this but there's other people that bring their stuff here kawasaki has a plant here honda has a plant here nissan has a plant here um toyota has a plant here mercedes-benz has a plant here all these other places have plants here oh well we don't charge them tariffs do we or anything like that no but the thing is is that they have to hire our people and we don't have plants in europe because nobody wants our stuff except for harleys and now europe is is going to throw tariffs on those they don't want our crummy cars but man we could sell them our bikes if we were smart but apparently we're not smart so that really kind of rubbed me the wrong way and uh the third thing on the on the this grinds my gears digital license plates california is at it again and uh they've I uh, forget the name of the company, but uh, there are digital license plates being tested on a fleet of uh, vehicles, official vehicles in Sacramento right now. And the license plates are basically like a Kindle or like, a, you know, like the screen on a Kindle. And they are programmable and they are wireless and they will communicate with, uh, you know, a device that renews it. It'll be, and, and apparently, apparently it'll be easier to renew you won't have paper tags anymore that you have to get in the mail from the dmv um it'll be wirelessly transmitted to your car so like you know if you buy a new car you want to or you want to pay to customize your license plate i mean that already costs a pretty penny here in uh, california to kind of do that already you have to pay a little extra for personalized plates but now you'll be able to do it with uh you know, you pay and a click of the button, they'll just transmit it wirelessly to your little thing. Um, apparently, the maker of the license plate says that it will also be able to track the plate. Where is the plate? Now, I wouldn't want people being able to track me where I go. And uh, I still believe in freedom. And even though I'm not a criminal and I wouldn't commit a crime, I believe that you should still be able to. And uh, I don't want Big Brother looking at every damn thing that I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? Or someone, someone, the eye in the sky, even if it's not Big Brother, somebody to be able to do it and relay it to somebody else if I don't want them to. And so they're saying, well, this would be great for like fleet vehicles. Like, um, 
you know, I think Amazon and UPS and FedEx, all those places already track their drivers. And if they're sitting still too long, they get little marks on their, you know, check marks. So they're only supposed to be stopped for a couple minutes, as long as it takes to walk to the driveway, scan the deal and get back on the road. So I know places like that already track their drivers. And it would be good if like you had, uh, I don't know, somebody went out to do something in an official capacity and then was there too long and you're like, Hey, what's something bad happening? And you could like send help. But on the other hand, like, is it worth the convenience of not having to buy and stick on a paper tag and being able to just uh, pay my registration online and have the little license plate display differently? Is that really worth the convenience of being able to be tracked and, uh, you know, have somebody else have access to your stuff? And it's not really worth it to me to pay. I think they're almost $700 per license plate um, to be able to put like a little cute little message on there for the asshole behind me to read. It's not worth it to me yet. So those are the things this week that are grinding my gears. Let's get on with the rest of the show. This is Patreon subscriber Narissa coming to you from inside my helmet in the land of beer and cheese, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. You're listening to the Creative Writing Podcast because you're obviously ridiculously good looking. Narissa, you haven't seen all of the listeners. We're not all good looking. Uh, all right, everybody. Right now, Wiggins and I sat down to record part of this week's show earlier this week over dinner. So you might hear a lot of chomping and chewing and hopefully some good conversation. We're going to drop that in here now. Hello, hello. I know you can hear me. This is junk. We're coming. Wiggins and I are out at dinner tonight. We're coming to you live from Senna on Mercury, California. I think I need more cord. Do I have more cord? Can I get more cord? You got about six feet of cord. Oh, sweet. That is fancy. You could run that under the table, up your leg, under your shirt. I hope they don't start that fire. Oh, there was a bunch of stuff. There was a bunch of noise. I I don't have my headphones, but I can see. Saw it light up. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) So yeah, dude, Wiggs and I out to dinner we should do this actually every time before we record this is pretty awesome i don't know if i could afford it every time before I record. yeah you know what yeah we're drinking beers and eating burgers our families our respective families are out of town so what the hell yeah we just decided to go out and uh we never take them out to dinner why not treat us <laughs> no we just uh we just rode from hacienda heights getting a uh challenge letter for this week's motorcycle podcasters challenge how long do you have for that challenge it's three weeks so last week oh do they change it every week the first week okay uh, on wednesday night they'll draw more letters six more and this year they used to draw six throw them draw six more throw them this year they're putting them back in the hopper so it's possible that they draw the same number or letter again but you can't get the same city that you submitted. You can't submit the That's same city. That's kind of cool. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's a... I went to Johnson Valley, and if there's a J, now I've got, like, only two more choices. <laughs> if there's an I, I'm screwed. I don't really know where we're going to go. 
There's only two places with an I, so hopefully they don't pull it out three times in a row. But yeah, man, we were right down by Wiggs' work, halfway between his work and my house, so I decided uh, we should meet there. Crash by Viffer's VFR in the canyon a couple times, but... Ah, it's a VFR, it can handle no. it. I mean, it's already been down a couple times anyway. Yeah. So, you all, this, all the high points are already scratched. Here's the deal. I put my leg under since I had knee pads on, so it would scratch through my jeans and the knee pads and not mess up the bike, and it worked. So Bri, Viffer, a.k.a. Paul, will never notice after the challenge is over any scratches <laughs> on his bike because uh, I sacrificed my good knee for it. <laughs> no, but it was fun. There was a nice little canyon ride and a, a, I think a good score. I added it up the other day, and I'm pretty sure it's a pretty good score. So I thank Wiggs for meeting me down there. Yeah, I don't get any bonus points, but oh. that's right. I wasn't sure I'd be able to ride for much of it, so it's probably a good thing. Yeah, I know. You know what? How many how many laps would it take on a track to equal, like, 700 miles? Because I'm pretty sure Paul did about 700 miles this weekend. It's not really relative, though. You'd have to break it down a different way. Yeah. But it'd be cool, like... The inside line is, like, a little bit less than the outside line. And no, yeah. but you'd have to do, like... Um, how far did I travel to a race? And it has then, to all be on the bike. So. And then, well, see, that's what I'm saying, though. It wouldn't yeah, work. Yeah, like, yeah. a racer is a totally different, like, lifestyle. Exactly. So they'd have to be like, okay, even though it was van miles, yeah, you went 2,200 miles one way. Yeah. Take a picture of your van odometer uh-huh. and submit that. And then me on the track. And then in eastern Tennessee, I did get a ride. I have no idea what towns I went through, but I got a ride. Yeah, man, you've been gone for a little bit. So oh, my gosh. Let's, um, you were out last weekend mm-hmm. and the week before. No, the week before I was on the show. Oh, yeah, that's right. Or no, last my, week my, I missed. My memory is so bad. Were you on this week? My memory is that bad. No, I was gone. It was two gone, one back, and then another one gone. Yeah. So here's the deal. You were uh, at Idaho qualifying for the X Games. Mm-hmm. How did that go? I qualified, barely. Nice. But I qualified. Man, the Coke syrup is such an evil, like, crapshoot. Yeah. That's and I wasn't getting... That almost got me disqualified. I saw that, too. No, that, like... I saw two so little part of the, Yeah, part of the problem was promoter A, promoter organizer A, and promoter organizer B weren't on the same page. So one guy was really upset. The other guy knew what was going to happen and said it was semi-okay. Is uh, so, Dylan Sands one of the promoter organizers? No. No, he's not. Oh, wow. So it was le- it was really somebody having a hissy mm. fit over a hooligan doing a burnout. It was ESPN having a hissy fit. What? Because it screws with their timing for a live broadcast. Oh, God. So. Yeah. I have to say. I understand that side of it, but it's still lame. And, and what do they expect? And they're like, we said no burnouts. In the, in the writer's meeting. And I'm like, but you didn't say I'd get disqualified for it. Yeah. Listen, I'm like... You can't invite the Hells Angels to Altamont and then not expect somebody to get stabbed. Well, and like... <laughs> That's a horrible... I'm so sorry. That's a horrible example. We had... I mean, I've been to a lot of races where they were like, no burnouts. And then they were like, hey, it's okay. So... I mean, if it's during the race. (laughs) If it makes the show better, it makes the show better. But I also get that it doesn't make the show better for the people watching online. So that is kind of makes sense. But 
Dude, you did such a hardcore burnout. I started coughing from all the tire smoke. I know, dude. The A main, like it was all smoky in there in the A main. And then for Born Free, I got requested by the main organizer to do a burnout. He's like, hey, so we're gonna see a burnout tonight, right? And then when I went into Yo, third my name gear, isn't whamming burnout Wiggins yeah. for nothing. And when I went into third gear on the dirt, the bike about died. It like didn't have enough power, so I had to shift it back to second and try again. I told Heather, I was like, dude, Wiggins is doing a burnout on the dirt, and it's making some smoke. Mm. I knew it would smoke in the dirt. But yeah. It dug a big hole, and I could barely roll the bike out of it. What's the? How is your XG like a cowboy? They both smoke oh, in the dirt. Man. It was like riding a fucking Bronken bull, man. Yeah. That thing is hard to ride, but... Yeah, I caught you on some of it, and I, did, I didn't catch all of it. Like, I wasn't... The live stream was on the whole time, and I caught here and there, and I was running around, and I missed the main, but you... Did you make it? You didn't make it to the main. I didn't main. make the A main, huh? Yeah. I was like, honestly, I went to that event with, like, a different mindset, and the mindset was just, like, to go have a good time and, like, not really care. So I rode the bike that I knew wasn't going to be as fast... Like not caring, like just being like, yeah, you whatever. Spam a lot? No, <laughs> yeah, right. They wouldn't allow that when it's too small. Yeah. No, but riding the XG, like I knew it just wouldn't be the same as the Sportster. So, but it's whatever. Like it was a fun event, and we had a good time, and it was it was really nice to go to an event, and in a way, not give a shit. Yeah. Well, so. and it's born free. Like the whole thing is have fun and be around motorcycles, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what you did very well. Yeah. It. And it's funny because it almost pisses off more people. When I show up on that bike and I don't care, because then they beat me and they're like, even people that beat me on a pretty regular basis, they don't feel like they accomplish anything by it. Yeah. So I'm like, they're like, you're not even good on this and they mm-hmm. beat you. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they look forward to to beating me, but when I'm on that bike, they don't feel like it's a true like yeah. win. So I really enjoy that part of it. I know. I wonder how the people that lost to Josh Heron when he was on a plated street bike mm-hmm. felt. <laughs> like, you probably have the same pe- sort of thing where people. Speaking are like, of street bikes, short side note JD Beach won at Laguna and Hayden Gillum got third. Oh, no shit. I didn't even watch. So, some part time flat trackers really yeah. kicking ass. I just saw a clip of it right before I left work. Huh. I didn't watch either. Yeah, there's some. Um, if you can hear me eating these delicious tortilla chips, I have to tell you, they're excellent. But yeah, they're... My the, lobster grilled yeah, cheese is pretty good, Lobster grilled cheese. I, I brought Chris to Santa because I knew... I knew... They would I'm actually surprised there's like, not that much cheese. There's way more lobster. Yeah. But it's pretty amazing. It's. I think they messed up on the menu. It was supposed to say grilled lobster cheese. <laughs> yeah, right? Really good, though. Totally different from what I usually get. But I just ate here last night, and I'm back. I was like, yes, family's out of town. I'm going to take Wiggins on a mandate. There's actually a lot of uh, good restaurants on this street. Uh-huh. It's a really cool downtown with a lot of good foods. Yeah, we're in um, Old Town Monrovia. They film a lot of movies here. I think they filmed, like, part of Spider-Man, and they filmed the number 23 with Jim Carrey. They were just filming something the other day. My wife was at the movies, and uh, they were filming something right across the street over here. But, yeah. They film a lot of stuff here. It's pretty cool. One day we'll have a bike meetup over here when Creative Writing gets um, 100 listeners online. <laughs> our 100 local listeners? 100 local. Our celebration will be to have a bike night here <laughs> at Santa. But, um, yeah, man. So you were out of town for the for Boise? We're doing good, man. I think I think I'm good. Yeah. We were at, you were out of town for Boise? 
-hmm. you were out of town, well, you were in town slash out of town for Born Free. My wife doesn't know how your wife does it, man. How did, uh, how was it getting home and seeing the fam after like almost three weeks on the road? Not quite three weeks on the road, but close. I so Tennessee, when I came back and recorded, did I get back on that? No, really, I got back that Tuesday. Uh We did a little family trip because I took a week of family leave. Then we recorded the next week, and I went back to work those three days before, right before Boise. And then I came back from Boise. We did another family trip just up to Sacramento and saw some relatives of mine and went to, like, downtown Sacramento and the train museum and stuff. And then came back and went to Born Free and then hung out all day Friday. So it's... um. Been more riding than working? I don't know. Yeah, I have. I don't know if she knows what to do about me being gone, <laughs> but I think she also knows that, like, if I didn't get to do some of these trips, I would be a rough person to live with. Yeah. Oh, me and my wife talked about if we were retired, we would hate each other. We went to the Arroyo Seco weekend on Saturday. The what? Arroyo Seco. Saw North Mississippi All-Stars and Shaky Graves and some bands that mm-hmm. I turned her on to and that she really likes. And uh, it was fun, but she's like, dude, you annoyed me all day. And I was like, that's why you love me. Because <laughs> I'm annoying. <laughs> I keep you on your toes. I feel like that if I'm... I feel like that if I was... The people on the show... Don't they like us because they don't have to see us like leave dirty underwear on the floor and like <laughs> farting it up after raunchy dinner? I'm like, right. Man, that's why you like me. Like, that, she's like, Yeah, I, do, I guess I do. And I was like, You love me because you see all the behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think uh, mine just lets me go racing. She knows yeah. it'd be bad if I didn't like, yeah, you know what? It is, it's like a, even riding, even just going out for a ride. I'm like, Ugh, Things are getting. Kids are crazy. Work was shitty. I just want to go for a ride. It literally yeah. is two-wheel therapy. And, um, yeah, if I didn't get to do it, you know, if I, if I, I often feel like I need to help out because our kids are crazy. And one of these days I'm going to come back from a ride and my wife's going to be tied up. But in the meantime, I'm like, dude, listen, let me go for a little bit. I feel like I'm just going to go nuts if I don't get on two wheels right now or just get out of here. I think, too, like, everyone has their, like, thing And for a lot of people, it's, like, clubbing and going to bars and, like... Because I see, like, especially around L.A., like, the whole trend is get an apartment with a parking garage under it, drive your car to work, but, like, live in an area where there's everything you need within, like, half a mile. Like, you don't go anywhere, you don't travel, you don't see anything. Like, your shopping and food and everything is right there. Oh, yeah. And they don't, like, no one wants to cook at home. Like, it's all, like, doing that. So... Like, we don't do that. Like, we're the, like, cook-at-home style, like, grocery shop. But it's, like, my, like, thing that I spend money on and go do is, like, go racing. And, like, that's just part of, like, since I was a little kid, like, growing up around it, like, it's just something that I do. And it's kind of crazy, like, seeing, especially on the hooligan scene, seeing the people that were never, like, into racing at all who are, like, diehard into it now. Because, and I noticed, too, with some of the guys where I'm, like, you're not a racer like you don't get it and i've also seen guys that have like totally fell in like fallen into it and totally became like a racer where like 
you're like, I don't care if I don't have to eat for three days. Like, I'm going racing. I'm figuring it out and making that happen type stuff. Where some people don't get that whole mentality. Because yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, how do you spend so much money on racing? And it's like, you really you don't. Not. Well, and you... <laughs> You really don't, though. Like, you, you figure out a way to make it work. Oh, yeah. And, like, you, you sacrifice on other things so that you can do it. Or you find extra work to pay for it. Yeah. Or you find whatever. And, like, oh, yeah. a lot of what people don't see is, like, busting ass looking for sponsors. Like, busting ass trying to, with the hooligans, too, like, taking four, like, Eastern Tennessee, like, hauling my bike and four other bikes that help pay for the trip. And pay for my time to be gone from work and not get paid to, like, to actually cover those things. And people don't understand that. Like, they either think, like, A, you're made of money or whatever. But it's, like, a lot of racers aren't. It's just something that they, like, they've been around and it, they, they make it work. Because it's crazy. You'll see people, like, old beat-up cars and, like, little trailers with, like, a $20,000, like, modified motor. And you're like, what the fuck? Yeah. And even that, like, I don't get, but yeah. yeah. But it's, like, totally just day in, day out, like, that's all they think of, and they, they make it work, you know? It's it's yeah. it's crazy. I saw a guy that had had a Honda, um, a V65 Magna, and he earned, maybe it was a 750, the V45. And he took that thing out to Bonneville to race it at the Salt Flats, and he took it on a Buick LeSabre with a rented trailer or like a, a little u-haul trailer yeah, yeah like a 20 dollar harbor freight trailer or something mm. and he obviously spent more on the bike than the car in it but that's how he did it he's like dude I'm, i just need to get it there i don't need a fancy well and it's like you know to me it goes back to and in a way like our our generation even though it's actually more the younger part of the millennial generation but people are pushing for experiences not objects yeah and supposedly really like those stupid fucking hillbillies that spend all their money racing it might not be the same experience as you have like a lot of people are like oh you should travel and see the world like first of all racing has allowed me to do way more traveling than i would yeah almost forced me to actually like i'd never want to go to boise (laughs) um but sorry boise yeah and actually nothing against boise it was actually really nice and i really liked it and the people were really nice but Eastern Tennessee's got my heart right now. Yeah. Um, and it might have my body in the future. But um, it is an experience. Like, every time you hit the track, it's an experience. Like, it's a rush. Like, it's so many things kind of put into one. And a lot of it, I mean, a lot of, like, Eastern Tennessee and X Games will be the way, too, a little bit. Because I still have a little bit more to do to the bike. But it's almost... It was, like, definitely stressful, and I know it was hard on the family, too, but, like, getting the bike ready to go to Sacramento, so, like, half ready to Sacramento, and then the rest of the way ready to leave for Eastern Tennessee. Yes, please, for sure. Um, It was, like, part of the whole experience, even though it was, like, a pain in the ass. But just, like, calling people, making sure the wheels were back from Anno, making sure people were at the shop, making sure this was ready. Um, Being bummed out that the tank wasn't back from paint. But, like, getting all that together and back on the bike and ready to go racing at another event was, like, in itself an experience and an accomplishment and a challenge. Like, it was a challenge that I put forward, like, this part has to get done, this part I want to get done. And, like, so that's why Sacramento, the bike was almost, like, half done. It was, like, what had to get done, a couple borrowed, like, a borrowed rear wheel and another front wheel that I had. 
And then for the next week, it was like, okay, this stuff's done. It can go on. Yeah. And then, so I guess, like, X Games would be, like, the official, like, here's the new tank and wheels all redone and everything. But I don't know. To me, that was, like, an experience in itself. Like, sometimes, like, I someone made the comment to me not too long ago, I hope no one at work listens, <laughs> and they were like, your work doesn't sound like it's a challenge. And I'm like, it's not and a lot of people, like, they want... Wait, was that me that said that? No, it wasn't. Oh. Your work doesn't sound like a challenge? Like, work doesn't sound challenging? Yeah, like, when I go to work every day, like, it's not... Like, so many people are, like, they feel like they need a job that's a challenge. And that is, like, not hard work, but, like, where you go in and you learn and it's a challenge every day, right? And mine's... I used to do that. It was bullshit. <laughs> I'm glad my work's easy now. <laughs> right? I'm at the point, at least for this part of my life, I like that my work is relatively easy. But I'm like, you don't get it. Like, I set up so many challenges for myself that I don't need to go to work and have a challenge. Yeah. It's almost freeing to go to work and not have a challenge because I do, like, yeah, yeah. there's so much stuff with getting the bike ready and figuring out how I'm getting to Tennessee and what vehicle I'm taking and what, like, this and just what that. And a like, trip, right. Yeah, and just making sure everything's set and ready to go because when you hit the track, if it's not ready to go, it's going to reflect. Yeah. Um... I know, even before, like, a, a road trip, even. Like, yeah. you usually, if you're good, you spend a couple, at least a week, like, figuring shit out and mm-hmm. figuring, uh, getting the bike ready. If not, figuring out logistics, where you're going to stay, packing, all mm-hmm. that stuff. I mean, if you're smart, you take a couple weeks, but, I mean, mm-hmm. even a week. And, and yeah, it presents, it presents all sorts of uh, hurdles that you're going to have to mm-hmm. get over, whether it be, like, figuring out where I'm going to go buy something or whether it be, like, holy crap, I don't know if this part's going to make it your own time. Like, yeah. it could be little like that or big, so. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It was work. That just pays for all this challenge. yeah, kind of challenging does. stuff. It really does. <laughs> and not that work's, like, never challenging. Like, it yeah. definitely is. But, yeah, it was just funny, like, someone commented that, and I'm like, because they were like, oh, how's work? And I'm like, oh, it's good. And they asked me a couple of questions. They're like, sounds like you're not challenged enough at work. And I was like, yeah, but I was also like, I'm here because of, like, added challenges. Yeah. So You know how many robots I've fucking had to kill to, <laughs> from keeping my job? My, my regular life is almost like an action movie because I've had to go take out so many robots that were going to take over my job. So sometimes working at a desk can be very mm-hmm. exciting and challenging. And yeah. uh, that's the reason why every single, even commercials, I was watching a stupid commercial for a car the other day, and the guy's, like, turning corners. And I was like, everything has to be a damn action movie nowadays, mm-hmm. like, and a challenge. Like, why can't things just be, like, instead, hey, could you imagine if, like, the nuclear, the people that run, like, the nuclear program, if every day was a challenge? That'd be awful. That would mean we were, like, on the brink of nuclear warfare every day. Like, some days you just want to be chill, right? Like, some mm-hmm. things are better when they're just running smooth. Yeah. Some days are better when there's not a nuclear yeah, meltdown. Yeah, there's not, there's not a threat. But um, no, Boise yeah. was cool. Yeah, that sounds fun. I mean, it sounds cool. And I, I saw that you made the qualifier. How did somebody put LCQ on something? I forget what. Yeah, it was so I was it really an LCQ? Yeah, I didn't make the. I went down in my heat. I was not in top four anyway. Trying to get a raise. Wink, wink. That's how I get my raises. <laughs> and then uh, I was in the LCQ. Really? So I had to qualify out of the LCQ. And I barely made it. I was sitting in third, and first place went down all by himself. Wait, yeah, on your heat. First heat, what happened? Uh, I was trying to get around Suicide Machine Aaron, 
and uh, he like went in and about lost it and then I like tried to save it instead of I probably just should have ran into him but I didn't <laughs> and so uh, just, like, I went down yeah, yeah like hit the brakes once something like yeah. yeah a little too much yeah. I, a lot of people were like getting sideways and then going down real quick so I was able to back it in but something like that yeah it was and it was a smaller track than um, Flat Out Friday, and the gearing was off. And on the XG, it, it just tiny. doesn't have it the yeah. Really tiny, yeah. The XG doesn't have the pull to, to have the gearing off. We were at Flat Out Friday in Milwaukee. The gearing was like spot on, and it would actually break the tire free, but it would accelerate real hard, and it wheelie down the straightaway, and it just didn't have the pull that it had there. Um, and it would burn out afterwards. <laughs> and I wanted to add like three teeth to the rear, and I didn't. I didn't have the sprockets to do it. I had one, and it wasn't bored out and wouldn't fit over my hub. Ugh. So uh, hashtag first world racing problems. Right. <laughs> so we didn't get to change gearing, and there was a half a second between first and fiftieth for qualifying. Oh, really? oh damn. Yeah. So it was how many heats? If there was fifty dudes, how many freaking heats were there? Eight or something. Oh my god! But there, I mean, but we did a qualifying session, and there was like half a second. It was it was really tight, and yeah. I, I just I got bad starts, and on the Coke syrup, like you can't get bad starts, yeah, yeah. and it's so hard to pass there that it was. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say it's it's even in flat out Friday, it looked like it was super yeah hard super to hard to pass. So, but the benefit for Flat Out Friday is my XG would like pull so hard out of the corner that it would just rip people in the straightaway, and I couldn't get it to do it there. So, which it also it had got some setup changes by another rider, and um, they had the front end lifted way up, and I dropped the front end like a quarter inch, and I think I should have dropped it a half, like middle of the corner, and I got stuck behind Aaron again, and he. Um, middle of the corner I'd catch him and he was like real slow just right in the middle so I'd come in I'd catch him and I'd have to slow down to not hit him and then he would accelerate super yeah, yeah. hard out but it would blow my momentum yeah and hindsight being what it is when you're off the bike maybe I should have backed off a little and got a better run but the cor- like yeah but the whole it's so yeah, yeah it's so hard to time it and do all that and when you're out there and like yeah so. oh, yeah when you're doing it you only got like five laps to do yeah it. so hindsight is what it is lot. but Easier said than done. Yeah. So you would have to have to you would have to realize what was going on in like one lap in order mm-hmm. to like compensate, learn learn from it and compensate. Um, but made it in. So yeah, I was gonna say I saw Josh made it, which is pretty cool. He looked like he came in third in his heat or something. I don't know where he came in. Which Josh Slay? Mm, Slay did make it. Yeah. In the heat. Yeah. Yeah. Is there another Josh on your team? There, Slay's not on our team anymore either. Oh, you're shooting. He uh, decided to, I don't know. <laughs> He's not on bad terms, but... Privateer? Kind of, I don't know. Okay. Maybe basically, we'll have, like, we'll have him on the show. And basically, he had some free bikes, and he wadded them both, handed them back to Speed Merchant. Thank, Thank you. you. Handed them back to Speed Merchant, and uh, Speed Merchant Brawny was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with these? Why? Because he like tore them both up, yeah, and then expected Bronny to fix them. Right, he crashed really big at Rolling Sands, like final twice. But that Not, oh got, yeah, so that was out. one. Yeah, that was one last year, and then uh, the Paris one round two or round three. Oh yeah, did he high round side two? There or oh yeah, the XG that I was on got all fucked up, big dents in the tank, fucked the tail section up, and then he also crashed the Sportster. So he basically like took him back to get fixed, and Bronny's like. What the fuck do you want me to do with these? 
And then I got some too. Um, how much was the thing? Uh, 43. All right, everybody. Instead of listening to two oldish men argue over who's going to pay the tip for a $40 bill. Uh, let's take a little break here. We're coming up on an hour. Get yourself a little drinky poo, stretch them legs, take the earbuds out and reinsert them or uh, turn your car off and turn it back on. Not if you're driving, please, but wherever you're listening, uh, take this moment to uh, get a little, what, what do you do? A concession, make a trip to the concession stand, use the restroom, whatever you got to do, you got to do, you know? Uh, and also listen to this awesome drop. Hey there, this is patron Matt from My Motorbike Obsessions. I'm currently coming at you from Tokyo, and you're listening to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, probably because you ran out of all the other podcasts to listen to, and you really dig motorcycle haiku. Later. So he's like, he's privateering. Yeah. So, interesting. No, like, no hard feelings. Like, he's getting better. And what I told him too, I'm like, dude, you need to build your own bike because since I met him, he got two concussions and a weird blood clot in his neck. Yeah. So, what we thought was another concussion. So, when I talked to him, I'm like, dude, you've had three concussions since I've known you a year. Like, you need to fucking chill before you die. Yeah.、Build、Or before、bike. you cause some long term. Yeah. Build a bike for you that's gonna like. Well, and then when you're on the track, like, it sounds silly, but you think about those things. Yeah, there you go. Like, this is my bike. Like, when I was in Tennessee, and one of the reasons I didn't wanna ride my sporty at Born Free. Is like I go back to February when I got in a crash, and I'm like, okay, what events do I have coming up that yeah, yeah. I need my bike for? Yeah, so I don't want to take it to other events and wad it when I have another、yeah. bike that I can ride. So yeah, it's, I, it's definitely a thought, like a process in your head of this is my bike, I have to fix it. I put, you know, he、yeah. put, I don't know how many days, 12, however many hours a day, like staying up till 2 or 3 a.m. trying to get that thing together for Boise. Bronny or Josh? Josh.、Uh-huh. So it plays a lot, it has a lot、yeah. to do with you when you're on the track, like riding on your own bike. You see the time, you see the man hours, and you see、mm-hmm. the dollar signs、mm-hmm. on every part that you're going to potentially break. Did he ride pretty good? Absolutely. He、yeah. did. But I feel like he rode safer. Yeah. At least at Born Free when I got to see him ride. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say at Born Free, I saw him too. So, how was the.、Uh, so, you qualified on an LCQ. Does it matter? Do you know where you're going to start? You have to qualify at X Games. Too. X Games is totally new. So, yeah, okay. as long as you're in, you're in. Yeah, good. So, so I'm you, not sure how it's going to work there, though. When does X Games go down, too? I want to say July 19th. Yeah, okay. We will pencil that in on the creative writing calendar, but、uh, just a pencil that. So, then the Born Free Stampede. I was super glad that they were streaming that because I decided Born Free is not my jam. I don't want to see all the chopular people. I do like the custom bikes. I love the time and hours ago, and I love some of the stuff that was coming on everybody's Instagram from that.、Mm-hmm. But I just didn't feel like going down to see it. I honestly didn't go to the show either. Yeah, but the Stampede, I would have loved to go down. And I was going to drive down. It was Actually, like, was it was cool because it was pretty close、yeah. for where we live.、Um, it's a great little venue. It's kind of loud in there, but it's a good venue.、Um, but with it being a decent live broadcast,、yeah. it's almost pointless at the same time、yeah. to go there. You know, like.、Uh, the thing is, is, I saw that they were broadcasting it live, so I tuned in before I rode down, and then I was like, dude, they've got all the angles covered. I'm、yeah. going to watch it live、yeah. with commentation. Yeah. You can't really understand why you're there. 
I kind of, you know, I missed going down. I should have gone. I probably should have gone down just to see our, see some people and talk yeah. to some people. But it was just awesome being able to drink cheap free beer at home and then <laughs> not have to ride home afterwards. Home. Yeah, it was for me. It was like kind of it's different because I don't. I don't know. Like I'm in the pits doing my thing, so I don't see yeah. all the people. I don't yeah. see like all the stuff going on on the front and. And, uh, and they were doing it back to back. They were doing it. Oh, so they were. Well. It was moving fast. So that, so that yeah. on the thing, I never, you know, everything was like going. And when they were like heat seventy three, pull start, and I was like, oh my god, this is just like Speedway yeah. where they have like hundred and twenty. Well, I mean, that's together. kind of the crazy part is that the track is a Speedway track, and Kelly that like organized it all is a Speedway guy. Yeah. So he had it running like Speedway with dude clockwork, heats. dude. Yeah, Someone pulled heats. off when we so we got started late. And I remember we were like 20 heats in, and we were already ahead of schedule. <laughs> this the guy running the track was like, it was funny. They'd come up to me and they go, "Okay, guys, this is what we're gonna do." And they'd be like, "You already get it," because <laughs> they all remember me from Speedway, so they know that I'd like kind of get how it runs. But yeah, they said like the Speedway guys like to go to the back stretch and do a practice start and all this stuff, and they're like, "We all just pull out on the track and go up to the line." So and they were running the the tapes quick yeah. with Speedway when the guy gets off the track then you look at the green light or the off light then it turns green when it turns green then you look down at the tapes and then the tapes go up that dude wasn't even off the track and the tapes were already going up if you were looking at the light you were way slow yeah yeah um and luckily like i knew from Costa Mesa that he's quick with us and i was watching him and i'm like dude he's the first one, I was a little slow. I waited on the guy to get off the track, but I had a first decent, or second a, gate play. A, a humanic decency, I would right? say, there, right? Yeah, dude. I, I saw some where, like, the yeah. gates went up, and he had to take a couple fast steps. Exactly. Like, he was like, oh, shit, they're coming quick. But, um, Why yeah, sure I mean. Pete Rose off the track. Yeah, it's, I don't do, like, <laughs> I don't do that well there on the big bikes. It's a little slick, and it's always slick for me, and it's. It's a hard one. Yeah. I um, saw people keeping it on in the corners, which I don't usually see, and they were just sliding, and I was like, it's got to be kind of slippery out there. I got a lot of that, like, with the XG, that was one of the things I was trying. Yeah, yeah. But it wouldn't come out of the corner as hard. Yeah, yeah. But even, um, so I was geared a little short, so it was hitting the rev limiter at the end of the straightaway, like, pretty heavily. And then for the semis, they moved the uh, they moved the coping out, made the track a little bigger. Yeah, yeah. I but it got us so. more traction. Thank you. And um, it it um, I it was like we had t- I talked about it with Fast J, and I'm like, so we could go to a taller gearing, yeah. and basically go faster at the end of the straightaway. But at Paris last year, the second fastest twin on the track was Jared Meese. And he was, and he won the race, and he was hitting the rev limiter like at the middle of the straightaway, and he'd hit it like ten times. Holy shit! And what it does, it you helps. Just gotta hit it, and then like just back you stay, No, you like stay in it. It's weird, but what it does, it helps you get into the corner, and it's you think in your head you're losing all this acceleration, but you're really not. But it improves other parts of the track. Yeah. So. Jay and I both, we talked about it. Third gear? Second gear? First at Costa Mesa. Or at uh, Industry. First gear. I mean, it is a Yeah, it's tiny. (laughs) So we, um, Jay and I had both talked about it. We both left our gearing a little bit short. And it was like, what I do like about the XG and what I did have a really good time at on Industry was, I went out one session and it felt loose in the rear. So I softened the rear up. 
And then I went out the second heat and the front end was pushing because it was getting more traction on yeah, the rear. Yeah, yeah. So then I softened the front up. And the then, balance, yeah. yeah, and then uh, like left the gear. So it was cool because stuff that I was checking on the setup was working or stuff that I was doing on the setup was working. So I felt like I could make better adjustments to the Sportster and like still, like I learned a lot about the setup that things that I had like never really got into before because we didn't have time and we didn't really know better. Yeah. And it's like every time we go, it's like an experiment. And it sounds so simple that like, oh, you just soften the suspension up. And it's like, yes and no. Like, I've also been to places where it's like been pretty good, so I didn't want to mess with it. Or I would like raise and lower the front end to kind of change it. So it's all. The first thing I always do, cars or motorcycles, is kind of soften the rear because you do, you get more bite. Yeah. Um, and it, and if you soften it too much, it can start to uh, wallow or oscillate the spring. But yeah. a lot of times, just a, just a little bit less in the front, and you'll start hooking, you know, like traction. Yeah. But you don't want to lose the front end either. But yeah, then you, right? You do an, you do you get it out of balance, and you're going to start pushing. Yeah. Or you're going to start understeering. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's a. It's, uh, it is. It's a fine line, man. Yeah. That's rather you, you... Trying to move the body around and stuff is definitely part of it on a bike, but... Yeah. I'm sure if you loaded the front suspension uh, and then, like, in the turn sat up a certain way, it would unload it, and I'm not sure how... Actually, thinking about that, I'm not sure how... See, I already happen. sit up quite a bit, though, too. Yeah. So there's yeah. definitely... And I tried the Rocks risers on that bike, and I didn't like them. Yeah. So maybe I need to try them again, but I love them on my Sporty. But, I mean, the thing is, so Speed Merchant Brownie rode that bike at Milestone. He went out and practiced a couple weeks ago, and he crashed his Sporty, but he was also riding the XG because technically it's his anyway. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a much bigger track than the industry. It is. It's definitely bigger than industry. But his comment to me was, that thing is a handful. <laughs> He's like, I don't know how you ride it, dude. No that thing's track. a handful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No And mine more so than the old one because the swing arm pivot is about a half inch, maybe an inch higher than the new street rod, and the head tube is more, like, chopped out. So the front end doesn't feel as good. Yeah. And the rear end... That equals not flat track Yeah, dude, it equals nothing worthy. Yeah. And with the swing arm pivot so far above the counter shaft, when you give it throttle, it pulls the swing arm down. Yeah, yeah. And it stands the rear end end up. So basically, like, what it does when you're in the corner and you start to slide it's really jumpy and it really wants to step out and then it doesn't want to rehook. and on the exit yeah. of the corner i don't want to be fighting the throttle trying to get the rear to hook i want it to be nice and smooth so that i can come out of the corner yeah, yeah, so you lose it, momentum yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, anytime you you they yeah. call it scrubbing speed anytime that you start to spin or like don't yeah, you know, and you don't you want don't to do it on your exit. Momentum. You want and the momentum to look yeah. like a curve, not right. like a stop and then a, a and right it, angle up. Yeah. On that bike, because it's when you're getting on the throttle that it does it, it's your exit speed. So it yeah. kills all your exit speed. Yeah. And then, and then, you then a good run out of the... Yeah, to make yeah. all of it worse, it's like uh, the, the torque curve on that is not a curve. It's a flat line at like 40, mm. 42 or something foot-pounds of torque, where my sporty tops out at like 70 foot-pounds or 74 but it's a line that's line real close to the to horsepower. Yeah. 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 So it's a really smooth torque curve, yeah. like low throttles, low power, low torque. Yeah. You know, and as you go up in the RPM, it increases. Where the XG is on and off, 
and it's such a light switch when you hit the throttle like that. You can just break it loose on it. And it, it does. Yeah. And at the same time, if you have a lot of traction, you have to work hard to break it loose. Yeah. Because it has no power. Right. So it's, it's, it's like the, par- such, the paradox. There. Dude, it's such a crazy mistress to ride. Like, especially a stock one like that. Like, yeah, th- that's why they made the street rod. And, I think and that's the street rod had a lot of improvements in yeah. the swing arm pivot, the head tube, so the overall geometry. It makes a lot better power. It's got a better cam. Yeah. And the better power and better torque, even though I'm sure it's still a flat line, it's still an on and off switch, having that extra power is nice for breaking the tire loose. Yeah, and even the stock street rod has the dual throat carb where the other one it just does. Mine's the a, body. Yeah, mine's a single throat. Single, yeah. And it's like an inch and a quarter diameter yeah. or something. It's tiny. They got the first, that first year when the Harleys started flat tracking that AFT, they got a provisional rule written. Can we use this throttle body? And we need a dual throat throttle body. Well, and that's actually, the one that they came out on the on the street rod. They actually have a total different. It's like a downdraft style, like a Buell. It is, yeah. So it's a total one-off yeah. throttle body. But it, they started out with a single throat though, and they got oh. a provisional made. Can we use dual throat? And so I, they should be able to use a dual throat anyway. This is the first year. I, I didn't. I haven't because even read the rules. I don't this think year. there's a rule on the on the injection. Because yeah, like an XR runs separate, I think if it was and the gonna, Cowie's gonna run two separate ones. Yeah, but I so think it it'll run uh, like independent on, throttle bodies. Yeah, but it, I don't know if it had to be based on stock at first or whatever. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, well, what do you do? Because there is no based on stock for the Indian. Yeah, that's true. That motor, by the way, is uh, specifically it was like the XR 750 where mm-hmm. it was never for sale. Yeah. Yeah. You know what, too? They're going to be making that FTR 1200. I've got some inside rumors on that. Yeah. I still stand by the fact that it'll probably be the gayest thing ever for hooligan racing. It's totally not going to be like... It's not going to be... Bike. Well, it's, it's not, not going to be, be like what you've seen. Oh, and listen, the, the rumor the I heard you've seen in the pictures isn't street legal by any means by the DOT or the... I don't know what the Canadian um, DOT... There has to be fenders. There's no fenders Not on necessarily. Oh, because man. it was made in Wisconsin, it might be legal. It could be made street legal in Wisconsin, but not as a production... Like, Indian couldn't make it street legal for the country, but it might be, it could be street legal in Wisconsin. Like, basically, so I grew up in Indiana. I learned Tennessee's similar, Texas similar, because I saw a guy in a supermoto. He had made a uh, YZF, I think. Um, in Indiana, when I first bought my supermoto a long time ago now, I bought it to make a street legal supermoto, because you can put a Baja Designs kit on it with a headlight, yeah, yeah, yeah. a taillight, and turn signals, take it to the police station... They will inspect it, and they will give you a title for it to make it street legal. But even if I brought that title to California, they're like, nope, VIN number says no good, and they would kick it out. So in a state like Wisconsin, they might be able to make that one street legal by taking it to a DMV, maybe as a person, maybe not as a company, and saying, hey, like it's got headlights, turn signals, whatever. It's a one-off. And Wisconsin might be like, yeah, cool, here you go. Yeah. Well, but I know you federally, can't, you have to have federal. Right. Well, and federally, federally doesn't necessarily include California because they have tighter regulations with yeah, emissions. Oh, yeah, yeah. But 
when it's a production motorcycle like that, there are certain yeah. things that it has to have. Yeah, the Department of Transportation right. says you have to have turn signals X amount. Uh, well, and there's nothing to say they couldn't put fenders and some stuff like that on it. That's what they're going to have to do. But no, it's no, no. not going to look anything like well, that. Well, and I've also, I don't think it's going to be a steel trellis frame. Uh-uh. Because they're not, it might be, but it won't be made. Like, that X, that FTR 1200 was made at S&S. Yeah. It's totally built by s and If what I've heard from the pricing that I heard rumors of, there's no way they're going to be able to afford to make it like that. Like, no, that not at a, all. That was a prototype. That was a, like, yeah. get the people yeah. excited. That at was least. a, that was a production motor from a, it was basically a $50,000 bike with the expensive motor out and a cheap motor put in. Yeah. It's probably still a $30,000 bike like that. 40. Fucking pigeon walking through the restaurant. <laughs> um, yeah. That but pri- the price point is. I've like heard it's going to be way more too. like a Ducati Scrambler. Probably. Because yeah. and it won't be that flat track geometry either. It'll be a streetable geometry. Exactly. So it might not be as gay for hooligan racing as I'm thinking, but it'll still be pretty gay. And if it is a thirty-five thousand dollar bike, I don't know. I have not heard a price rumor. I've heard less. Yeah. Way less than that. I I mean it's got to come. If it's going to be like a Ducati Scramble, it's probably got a price point with it. It's got to compete with the Scout 60. It's well, it got to be more than that. It's got to compete with the Sportster. Well, not the Scout 60 because it's, it's the motor compete, out of the bigger Scout. But it's got to compete with the Ducati Scrambler. Yeah. It's got to compete with, like, the 1200s that it's yeah. in the market. Yeah, for sure. And nobody's going to buy it to really go flat tracking it, so they're not going to make it all Wango Tank. Well, and... Indian in general, like no one's bought an Indian to go flat tracking anyway. Like yeah. all these people talking all this shit about how good their Indian is, none They're of them, have, none the of them bike. have put no, 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 not even that for the hooligan stuff. I'm talking about oh. the the people that keep saying how great their Indian is for hooligan racing and how it's the best thing ever. It's not good enough for them to put their money where their mouth was. Like none nobody of them owns those bikes. N- well, nobody bought them. Yeah. They were all given to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, every single Indian on the track has been given to that person. Yeah. Whether you're in Europe or whether you're in the U.S., there's not a single one on the track that someone paid for. Right. No one put their money where their mouth was. They're just running their mouth because there's a free bike in it for them. Yeah. So they're saying it's all great, but when it came down to it, By they, the way, they built ta- sportsters. I would take a free Indian. I love the sound of the Indians better than the Harleys. But oh, they sound good. Yeah. I like the sound of the XGs fucking bitching. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah they do sound like. But when you let the clutch go and feel what that sound's doing, it's not near as cool. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean the Scouts actually motor wise, I would prefer the twelve hundred because it'd be nice to have extra power. And I think with modern fuel injection, you could, if you have a smooth throttle hand, it would be fine. I just hope it's an indication that Indian is going to do what Harley tried to do. You know, Harley gave Buell a chance and then had to. You know. I don't think they had to. That's still stupid. Well, you know. But that's my opinion. They did it after the economy. Or or even the XR1200. But I think... But Victory has such such a a failure of a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Victory has such a rad performance line and, like, hot rod... Yeah. Even right the year before they closed, the Victory Octane, I took pictures of the concept bike at IMS. I think they actually released that for a little bit. And the Victory... Yeah, because we had one at work. The Octane was the Scout 60 version. Oh, But it looked better than the Scout 60. What was the other one? The Octane and the Red Line or something? They, they oh, literally did two, and then the next eight months closed They the closed company. it down, yeah. yeah. And it was like, but holy shit. here's the thing with Indian and Victory. They will, right now at this point, and it's not necessarily bad, 
it's something Harley should consider and look into. They are totally willing to, and I've heard about the Scout 60 and the Scout, they're doing this anyway. They're totally willing to give up profits for market share. Yeah. So, and they're a small enough company they can get that through because there's not these big CEOs on top yeah. that or are, are out of two point, or right. shareholders to like to to focus on profits. I noticed and, that when the Harley got their tax cut, they paid out the shareholders right away. Yeah. And then like an Indian doesn't have that. They don't have problem. any of that. Yeah. yeah. Um so it's like it's it's not all bad. It's definitely not all a bad company. Um, as At least much they're as, American too. And yeah. So, it, but so are like all the electric bikes that everybody hates. Like everybody hates electric, but they're almost all those companies yeah. that we talk about are American. Yeah. So I'm, I'm down. Dude, what a what a stab at Harley if Indian would hire Eric Buell. <laughs> Dude, he could build a badass fucking Buell XB with that you know Scout 1200 yeah. motor. The crazy thing, too, is that... Uh, well, they hired Olaf from BMW. Right. The, the designer of the R9T, like, the hottest Beamer out, they hired that guy. You know what? I was just reading, too, a couple years ago, Pierre Terra Blanche. Didn't he design something at Ducati? Wasn't he a Ducati designer? I don't know. He went over to Royal Enfield, the and then remember the, this year, those bikes that came out... I think he was an integral part of that. Like, there's a lot of people going around spreading mm-hmm. the love. Like, yeah. the motorcycle love is just, no matter what you buy nowadays, it's going to be pretty bitchin' built by well, somebody Well, you also cool. have a lot of these designers who, and Ola, I think, got a lot of freedom at BMW. Yeah. And I think he proved himself. The R9T. Dude, one of their best yes, concept bikes. But I wonder with, floor model. with BMW, because it's a relatively inexpensive bike, how much BMW as a company likes that bike. We as consumers love it, and I think it's a great bike, and I think they did a lot of stuff right. And like you said, from concept to production, it stayed so true to itself. Um, But I wonder guys like that who have been at companies that long, even though him in that case I think had a lot of freedom, Indian might have been like, yeah, you want freedom? Here. Like, we'll let you do whatever. We need to break. We need to blow doors. Dude, those, I I swear to God, the Springfield and the Chieftain and all those, they look like shit to me. I hate the big Art Deco. You know what, though? People are, that's their. That's what Indian people want, though. That's what they need to sell, though. That's what they need to sell to make the, those are the, you know, there's, there's one, there's Lost Leaders, which is like stuff you make and you know you're going to take a loss on it because yeah. it costs you almost the same amount to make it than it is to sell yeah. it. And then there's the shit like the CBOs for Harley. Yeah. You know you're going to sell about 500 of those. Yeah. Inflate the price because the dudes, yeah. that, the 500 people that are going to buy that are going to almost yeah, they don't care. Yeah, they have the 40 or 50 yeah. to buy it. So I think that's like the Chieftain and the Springfield and the Dark Horse and all those crappy. But the Scout and the Scout 60 and I hope to God that Indian already owns Bramo. You know, yeah. Not Bramble. They call it Bramble, but uh, the Victory, you know, when Victory bought Bramble. Yeah. So Indian already owns all the electric stuff. I, I don't know why they haven't thrown an electric bike. I think they're waiting for a major manufacturer, which is Harley Davidson, to do it. And hopefully... If but Harley, has Harley even really stepped into they it? They said 2019 for sure. And I've heard I've heard there might be an Alta at X Games with the Twins, which I don't know how that's going to fly. Yeah. There was an Alta at the Erzberg, too, which was pretty cool. Yeah, but... At a flat track against the Twins, though, how do you compare that? Yeah. And if they're going to allow it, my question was, well, Carver was out testing an Alta. Is he going to be on an Alta? I saw. And they were like, no, 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 he he won't be allowed to ride it. And I'm like, oh, if you're going to allow the bike, then that's something he can choose. Like, 
but because X Games is supposed supposedly about an eighth mile. Yeah. Like a big eighth mile. Like industry Costa Mesa, maybe a little bigger. Costa Mesa is a tenth. Industry's about a tenth, so smaller than Paris Flat Track, though. Yeah. Like that is insanely tiny. And Alta would just, if you could get the thing right, just rip it. Yeah. <laughs> but he was out there trying different maps and stuff too. Yeah. Like, I'll never forget Preston Petty at one of the Ivy League <laughs> events. I don't. That was at a zero. Yeah, and he was on a zero because they helped him kind of build so it. So damn close to. Yeah. And it was such a. Ra- it was. It so would be cool to see someone fast on it. And I've seen yeah. people ride Paris on an Alta, but I haven't seen anyone fast on it. Yeah. Alta or zero. Altas. Yeah. But. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see Carver on it to see what it would do with someone like that. Yeah. Like, And he was riding moto and flat track in the same day on him, but... Yeah. Um, you know how um, Hell on Wheels has done, like, Industry Paris, Industry Paris alternately for the past couple of years for their Hot August Nights? The he only per- did Industry once, I think. He, yeah. went, he went back to Paris as soon as they let him. Oh, okay. Yeah, he, I think he it was did Paris and Industry, then last year was Paris. I, I thought he was doing Industry again this year. Hopefully he's doing Paris. Maybe, but I don't know. But, uh, but so the one at Paris, uh, no, the one at Industry, so two years ago, I guess, um, the guy from Hollywood Electrics that used to tune their um, MotoGP, or not MotoGP, the Isle of Man bikes. Yeah. He was there with the customer's bike. They had, like, this, the the ones that re-rode, basically, and they wanted to flat track it, so he took it there and set it up for him. I also saw him at the Hell on Wheels uh, steeplechase back in 2015, or, like, early, early 2016, on one of his bikes. And, dude, zeros. And those things... Yeah. I want to see them race with other bikes because I want to know where they're supposed to go. And the only way you're going to figure that out is to let them race with other bikes, right? Because they were that's what their big argument about not letting them into motocross was, is that where do they fit with the 250s or 450s? Well, dude, let them, let them race and find out where they go. Because well, and if they're getting their ass banked by 450s, then they obviously go with the 250s. If well, they're beating the 450s, they go in the open class where people are running like 500. And, but honestly, if they're beating a 450 and way less... Then, then gas is done. Oh yeah. Like, I don't. I don't think they're at that point yet. But I think they need to be competing with 450s because a 450 is pretty well an open, at least for most motocross yeah. stuff. What you just said is the whole reason the the organizers didn't allow them at Loretta Lynn's this year. He said, "I feel like I killed the two-stroke market." because I allowed two strokes to come in and race and once people saw that the four strokes were better or something like that or that the two but strokes that's kind of the two strokes kind of arrogant on his part like well, Loretta Lynn's is big but Yamaha is the one that made the push as a company built a four stroke like when it That's when the 426 said. first he showed up, people, it was like all billet cases. He said and people shit. saw that the four strokes needed were losing the two strokes, and so they built a better four stroke, and now there's no more two strokes. But that was. That's evolution, though. Like, there's that's not why there's no two strokes, though. He he feels like it's the he feels like it's one of the reasons that people felt like they needed to build no, a better four stroke. That's dumb. There you know are, you know why people build a better four stroke and two strokes died because they're fucking dirty <laughs> and they spit oily smoke all over the fucking place. That's true. I think a lot of uh, <laughs> like that's why they died in MotoGP. Yeah. That's why they died in everything because the four stroke the is cleaner compared uh, compared yeah. the. Efficiency, right. right, and over time, that's what's going to kill the yeah. the gas engine anyway. Well, the electric is getting better, yeah. and honestly, the gasoline engine has kind of peaked. Like, 
I say that, but in the last 10 and 20 years, they have continued to improve. They yeah. keep making more power. They keep getting more efficient, but they're not, like... I was thinking about this. Car, car technology has come further in the last five years than it has in 50 years, and almost none of that's motor-related. No. Once they figured out how to get as much gas, and they started in the 70s. Look at, like, look at like the 60s muscle cars, and then look at the 70s to late 70s cars. You look at a 60s Charger, so sweet. The 69 Charger, the Duke Boys Road. Look at, like, uh, I think they made a 70 or a 72 Charger. Shitty. Yeah. Look at the Mustangs. The Mustangs, even when they went to like the, they got huge the, for a while. Dude, like seventy-one and two and three. Every nineteen eighties car after the late sixties and early seventies, when emissions hit, like seventy-three, yeah. the oil crisis and the EPA. Richard Nixon started the EPA. From seventy-three on, every car looked like a hunk of shit, and they ran like a hunk of shit, and they had the horsepower of like 6,000 horsepower which uh, funny like stifled down when they first started and again like that's the evolution like when they first started like think of the 5.0 Mustang that was like hot yeah. shit yeah it made like 250 horse oh, yeah yeah I know and it's like dude a, an SR20 motor makes that yeah like, oh yeah dude you can get like like the H2R I think makes like 200 and the BMW yeah, the motorcycle yeah. makes 198 like the, the motorcycle little four cylinder can make well in the Japanese like four cylinder market and honestly the Ford like that's why there's a four cylinder Mustang again yeah. they get a turbo four cylinder but it's also funny like Ford did that in 83 or 84 the SVO they did a little four cylinder like yeah, the turbocharged yeah, Mustang yeah, yeah. wasn't the SHO it was SVO same building at Ford, special vehicle special operations vehicles, and yeah. special high output. Yeah, yeah. So the SHO is the Taurus, but it all came from S or the SVO, and then later that department was SVT, which is the Raptor, yeah, the yeah, Lightning, yeah, yeah. the Cobra. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, like it came out in 83 or 84. I think they only did one year. Yeah. And like the American market just wasn't ready for it. Like, it's unfortunate, like, because. That's why, to me, like, small Japanese cars have, like, surpassed yeah. the American cars. Like. Yeah. And, and since the 70s, they've had 40 years to make engines as, the gas engines, as efficient as they can be. And they have every year since then. They've tried to make yeah. them better and better and better. So I think the technology that we're seeing in, in vehicles, motorcycles, and cars isn't coming from the motor. It's coming from... Yeah, it's coming from other stuff. Yeah. So... Electron, well, like stuff like, like direct pet port fuel injection has been like cleaner oh, yeah. and more efficient and yeah. makes more power. And that helped two strokes come back. So it really somewhat, did. You know, like yeah. there's a lot of people using those in outdoors now. Yeah. And nobody would have been using those had, mm-hmm. you know, KTM was a big proponent. In that. Yeah. But I think Husky uses it and all that. But electric is the next. What you said is that. Well, and if you look at all the car technology, all the like supercars and high performance cars and luxury cars. They're all hybrids. Yeah. Like, oh. everything from all the new Ferraris, yeah. the new Lambos, the new Porsches, I to the new know, NSX. I don't even know what it was on that I was watching on Top Gear, but there was a hybrid. You know, yeah. One of them was full electric, and I was mm-hmm. like, holy shit. Like, because super, they're, super cars are now And honestly, yeah, when you look at the performance of the Tesla, like, electric is coming. Yeah. I think one of the hard parts for bikes is going to be driving one wheel. Yeah. And you can't put the motor directly, like, on the axle like you do in the cars because of the weight yeah the unsprung weight which yeah. on the car it's mounted inboard it's still not unsprung but it's i think it's definitely the the future and i don't think it'll kill four strokes right away but it's the same thing like it's an evolution like yeah the four strokes came in they were cleaner they were easier to ride they were more torquey 
they had more motor brake that people liked. So they ended up ultimately being faster without a lot of development. And I think the electric's going to need a little more development than it's at right now. But there's it, a lot of it is competitive. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is competitive. And I think as it's more competitive, it'll become a better or a bigger market. And the bigger the market gets, the more that money's going to get funneled into it. Yeah. So it's coming, but I don't like. I don't think not allowing it is going to save a four-stroke. Because honestly, if if it hurts a company because they didn't keep up, then yeah. shame on them. Yeah. Like, and with you know Harley and Indian, hopefully they're the first American manufacturers to come on with this stuff. But at the same time, everybody that loves a ice engine. No reason to panic. This stuff isn't. There's going to be two options. It's, well, just, and it, it's just broadening your market share, which is what they're going to have to do. For most of America, anyway, we don't ride motorcycles as a daily commuter, yeah. as a way to get around. We ride motorcycles as a hobby, as an enjoyment. So the ice engine's not going to die with that. Like, and honestly, from what I've ridden on electric, it's going to be fun. Yeah. It's not going to rattle the same. It's not going to make the same noise. Yeah. But it's also not going to be hot when you're sitting in traffic or at a stoplight. That's true. Um, and it's not. And it's city, also going to be a noise. lot less weight, uh, less maintenance. Yeah. Right now, a lot of cities that were built along highways, those big in California, this is if you've ever traveled oh, yeah. out here, you just see walls along the freeway. A lot of, of noise that too, pollution. though, with what you hear. How often do you hear a motor noise? Now, you know what? You a lot hear of that's tire, tire noise. noise. That's true. So you're still going to have that on the freeways. In a modern freeways. car, you don't really hear motors. Especially anymore. in California, a lot of guys don't know this. A lot of our freeways are concrete, and they're yeah. like almost graded. Yeah, for the rain. Yeah, for the. Well, and it's it's just how they make the concrete with and little striations. Yeah, around. a yeah. lot of uh, midwestern cities don't do concrete because it's more durable, but it's way more expensive. And if there is a little crack, the ice gets in it, or the water gets in it, Spans, and then freezes, cracks, and yeah, nothing's yeah, yeah, holding that. So you could build a steel freeway. Yeah. If it had a crack and water got in it, it yeah. would blow it out. Yeah, yeah. So, um... So it's just tar? Tar, tar and blacktop. Base. There is some concrete and asphalt, but yeah, it's a lot of blacktop because it flexes It'll more, crumble, and it's cheaper yeah. to put down and fix. Yeah. Um, but it also, you get on a blacktop, and with a lot of big trucks on it, it, it like pushes it around and makes weird grooves. Yeah, so, you can, I've seen tire tracks yeah. down, down but country roads. I think the grades create a lot of tire noise, too, that yeah. we don't realize... But it, but yeah, you're right. There won't be as much. Um, if, still won't be as much noise. Engine noise. There won't. But you you still will hear that tire. That like, it almost sounds like ocean waves. Yeah. Like that weird like tire noise. But yeah, I mean it'll be different. It won't be as uh, visceral. I don't think. But it's just going to be a little different. And uh, and I honestly want to see how competitive it's going to be because that's what I, my whole thing is. Like I just the speeds is what's it's still going to kill you just as quickly and be just as fun. That's why it's fun. It's because <laughs> it can kill you. If it can't kill you, it ain't fun. Right. That's why I let my kids play with the firecrackers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I think I don't know. I don't think electrics here, but I don't think not allowing them to race is the fix. Yeah. But I think. One of the topics I talked about was an electric racing the twins at X Games. And I think if the rumored guy's allowed to run it, then anyone should be allowed to run it. Yeah. And the only guys that wouldn't be allowed to run it would be like the factory Harley teams and maybe the Indian factory teams because their teams would go, no, we want you on our bike. Yeah. And Indian could go, hey, yeah, we got these Brambos we want you to ride. Or Harley could go, hey, we have these Altas that we're going to put Harley on. But 
to my knowledge, that's not the case, and it's not what's set up. And they want the twin, they want them on twins, and they made it a twins class, even though the track's going to be so small. My only thing is, if one guy's allowed to do it, then if yeah. if Carver's Alta buddy said, "Hey, dude, here's an Alta to take," then he should be allowed to do it. It shouldn't be a "Oh, this guy can do it, but you can't" yeah. type deal. So my thing is, the one guy that I've heard might be able to do it. I don't think should be able to do it. It should be, "Hey, you got to be on a twin," or or, or your or your Alta needs to weigh three hundred and thirty pounds. I was going to say, electric's not light. Electric is he- usually heavier. Uh, just because of like the weight of the batteries and all that electric, so it's funny horsepower to weight. It might actually be right on par with, and it, some it of the could time. be. Yeah. So maybe that would make it a, a same choice, even yeah. though it looks like a dirt bike if it weighs as much as a twin. Yeah. And yeah, actually, the- according to the rules, it can't look like a dirt bike. Huh. Well, for AFT, yeah, I don't know about because they. They wanted to uh, rule out Henry Wiles' TT bike from last year, so they said the bike has to look like a flat no track DTX bike. DTX But it wasn't a DTX. I mean, it was a full framer with a Cowie 650 in it. Yeah. But what he did, he put radiator guards and he put a, a Cowie dirt bike fender, fender yeah. in like subframe. So it looked like a dirt bike. But if you watch him at TTs this year, he's on the same bike. He just took the fender shrouds off, put a flat track tail on it. But it was also like, to me, it was that stupid. Doesn't make it a dirt, doesn't make it a dirt bike. It wasn't a dirt DTX bike before. Bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was just, it was a stupid rule that AFT did to help out Harley and Indian because they were getting spanked by a Cowie. But they weren't getting spanked by a Cowie. They were getting spanked on TTs by Henry Wiles. Yeah. Which, newsflash, he almost always Peoria, spanks yeah. him on a fucking Once TT. Peoria comes like, along and see how, how he does it again. If the guy won 12 in a row before the Twins was mandatory and he still won, it wasn't the bike. Yeah, it's did he that, win? He didn't win uh, Sturgis because he cracked the case. Right, but he, he still won he every win, Peoria com- yeah. like that has happened. He hasn't happened. won Daytona, huh? He didn't win Daytona either. Yeah, Mies won Mies that won one. That. So, yeah, well, Both years. We'll see, we'll and see he was Peoria. leading Buffalo Chip, but yeah. he bottomed out. I'm excited, man. I just, uh, I can't wait. I can't wait for X Games to start. I can't wait to see... We're going to have to wait till next year, and our opinions obviously don't count, so we're going to have to see what the <laughs> bean counters and, and chip crunchers... Yeah. Speaking of chip crunchers, I'm out of food. I know, I am too. I'm ready to get out of this joint. Uh, we've been yapping for an hour. Should we cut the folks loose? Uh, we can. Yeah. I still got a little challenge talking about that I might do. Okay. But uh, I'll be back next week again. <laughs> Wiggins will be back next week. and uh, So I guess that's good news for most people here. Most people... They were just like, dude, you're a blabbermouth. Where's Wiggins? <laughs> They're probably all like, uh, Wiggins is back. Uh, no, no, I think quite the opposite. <laughs> so yeah, I might, I might blab a little bit about the challenge. Um, and I, uh, we may have. I'm excited guest. you got a bike tomorrow for it. Oh, dude, it's been awesome. It was going to be a struggle on the dude, 250. When I, when I went out to Johnson Valley, and it only took me four hours, a little over four, I was like. This would have taken seven hours on spam. Well, even when we were riding the freeway here, like, um, I remember pulling to the right lane, and I was like, shit, he can go faster than 80. Yeah, yeah. So I, like, took off, and you're, like, right there, and I was like, okay, that works. I know. I was following the two-second rule, but, yeah, I can. But it's nice to be able to do faster than 80. And uh, Brad Riffers told me that his front sprocket may be plus a tooth, but the, and the Hondas are off by around 10%. 
Now, I think I... I'm but if he pluses a tooth, that'll kind of bring it back to normal, though. Well, the thing is, too, is that I think it's red, red off the front wheel, so I don't think it matters. You know what I'm saying? It's the rotation of the front wheel is the rotation of the front wheel. Uh, right? No, not on that bike. Unless there's a cable coming from the front wheel. I'm going to have to look. I'll look at the... I'll look and see it's what It's a 97? Yeah. I don't think it's red off the rear, and I don't think it's red off like. It's the, red off probably the counter shaft or the transmission. Yeah, I that's what I was thinking. Which would be the counter shaft, yeah, yeah. just in a different spot on the tranny. But yeah, I don't think um, I don't know what the first year of that bike was. I know yours. That one's a '97. I think but the first year was '94. Maybe '94. I have to look at it. Yeah. It's real easy to spot, and I don't remember seeing it, but I only looked at the right side, and it's usually on the left. Yeah, I'll check it out. I'll see. I have that information, so I'm going to check where it is, because I was thinking... But it would make sense that he'd go up a tooth if he was commuting on it. Yeah, yeah. And there's no way... It was reading that we were doing, like, 95 today. We weren't doing that. We were probably doing 80. And if it's off by 10%... Uh, mine said 85-90 at the highest. Oh, did it? Oh, okay. But I don't know what, what my duck reads either. Yeah, so. yeah. But I think I'm at stock gearing. I thought about changing it, and then I ended up going back to stock. Yeah. So. All I know is I allegedly, I allegedly did over 100. This definitely did over 100. <laughs> you know, 100 kilometers an hour if you're a law enforcement officer. <laughs> I'm just playing. That's pretty easy on a VFR 750, yeah. though. I was just amazed that it didn't feel like it. It yeah. felt like 70. You know, it It's such a, like... It's not like a wicked fast race bike, but it's a very no. smooth, good, and I mean, powerful it probably, bike. You get a thousand out there, and I don't think it would keep up with it. But it sounds cool. Uh, <laughs> it, it probably barely makes the power of the same year six hundred. Yeah, would be my guess. Yeah. It's probably right around a hundred horse to the ground. Like a GSXR six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what I was thinking. Is that it's all relative to? And it's it's going to be a different torque curve, like a six hundred. Oh, yeah. 600 is actually the last one I had was an 05, so it's not totally relevant to a 97. It was pretty fucking fast. Yeah. Once you hit about 9,000 RPM. Yeah. But below that, it was a turd. Yeah. But on a track, you ride it above nine and ten thousand all day. Yeah. So they're really, really fast bikes. Like 600s are weird. Like if you can't ride very well, they're slow. Yeah. But if you know how to ride it, they're fastest. Like I passed a thousand. My buddy was on a thousand on the straightaway, and I passed him on the straightaway. Yeah. But it's all. That thing Corner doesn't even exit start to that. go fast until around 7,000 RPM, and it's like... The VFR should be a little better at a low end, just because it's a sport touring bike, like, like the motor's design. Like three and design. four, it's like chugging, you yeah. know? And five and six, that. it starts to go. Seven, it's like, all right, now give it some See, that's speed. funny, because my duck feels like it's going to fall apart at nine. Oh, really? Yeah, that red line on that, it's like 11 or... But my... Or yeah, my RC would run like yeah. 11 or 12 and yeah. it was like no big deal yeah it, up in the higher it, it likes it it's yeah. like actually like yeah and now you give it and you can I mean when you still feel torque at high end yeah like Spamla no, no <laughs> I don't even need to talk about that but even the mag my Magna it had a lot of pull but it was it was a V it was a V4 and it sounded awesome but it, it was tuned to be a cruiser so it had everything yeah. low you know what i'm saying it was totally even though it's a v4 and it was way bigger like not quite double of this it totally different characteristics so just totally different feel and i and i wouldn't turn on that bike because i you just the forks would fold up and you'd kill yourself it was like basically riding with two chopsticks with a cucumber <laughs> on there between them. it was a terrible handling bike 
But yeah, it was a fun ride, man, out to Johnson Valley and everything. I, oh, I saw, bet. I saw a lot of. Cool I totally didn't think about it, which is good because the only bike that I had on Sunday was my Dyna and my front brake mount like literally broke my brake no caliper shit. mount. No shit. So I kept like at slow speeds coming home from work last time I rode it. I kept hearing this weird rattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I rode it into LA yesterday to pick something up. And I was hearing the weird rattle, and I'm like... Is it behind the fork or in front? It's behind it. It's behind. Right. But So I kept hearing this rattle, and it, it sounded like the motor was hitting something. Yeah, but it, it so wasn't in tune with the vibration of the yeah, motor. Yeah, yeah. But it was like I'd go over a bump, and I'd go ting, 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 ting. And it was a solid, like, metal on metal. And I was like, fuck, man. You couldn't feel it pulsing through the bars. Right? No. It, yeah. And I'd, like, I'd look all over, and I couldn't <laughs> see it. And, uh... I was getting ready to leave, and I looked. I was like, kept looking for it, and I looked down, and I could see my whole brake caliper move a little bit, and it had it had worked itself loose because so the top bolt mount, like where it, so it's got an adapter to fit a bigger rotor. Okay. So where that bolt mount was, it um, it broke. So then it broke the bolt loose on the bottom, so it was able to move. So I'm like cruising home on the 110, and I'm like watching this bolt back out. And I'm just like. Please. I can't make it home, so I pull off an exit, snug it up by hand because that's all I had. Yeah. Rode home, like, watching it. It stayed in, you know, backed out a little bit, whatever. I got home, and then, so it's probably good I didn't take off on the Dyna all day. I would have been, yeah. I was ready to pull the bolt out and wrap the caliper around the bars oh, and not dude. have a front brake. Yeah. And I've ridden without a front brake on the Dyna. Sketchy. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. I, I mean, it, not the way that I am used I mean, to riding. Especially if we would have yeah. got, like, found some canyons somewhere. Yeah. Like, but... I, um, but the duck got rented out and it came back, but, so I couldn't have went riding with you anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, now I could take the duck out with you, but I didn't have it on Sunday. Dude, that would have been nuts. Yeah. You know, yeah, one of the worst things is like seeing a bolt that's backing out and seeing it while you're riding and just, and like, I have, well, and it wasn't like, okay, I can pull over and I can finger tighten it, but how long is that going to last? Uh, about another mile and a half. Yeah. (laughs) So... It made it like five miles home, but I was just, it was not the greatest idea, yeah. <laughs> or not the greatest thing, but yeah. it, it was, is what it is. Yeah, it was definitely, you would have needed some brakes, and, and the, just the sheer time in the seat, like nonstop all the way out there. Yeah, to, and know. that's what was weird. I ended up, to, to get home, I was dragging a finger on the brake to keep it like one way to keep pressure oh, okay. on it, because it would like bounce with yeah, the yeah, weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what would work it loose. Yeah, after dude. after it was loose, that's what made it back out was, like, the bouncing. So, so you had to keep it snug by yeah. just holding a little bit of pressure <laughs> yep. on it. Yep. So. Did you need, you need new pads now? Or? No, I didn't. I didn't pull that hard on good, it. But. Good, good. Yeah, that's rad. So, All whatever. Right. Well, hey, this segment of the show is done. I'm sure you guys are glad to have wigs back. We got a pigeon coming over to inspect us. So <laughs> I think we might... We might be a lot of here. Uh, what'd you think of Senna? It was good. Yeah. Some good eats. If we have a bike night, we should definitely do it here. Or at a local brewery that wants to become Chris's beer sponsor. <coughs> 805's right up the street. <laughs> no, 805 is taken. I need another beer sponsor. There's there's actually Modern Times. Modern Times. Yeah. I emailed a guy from Thorn in San Diego and he was all about it and then he had me call him and I called him like four times and never heard back. You're not supposed to call him names though, you're just supposed to call him. <laughs> so Whatever, I need a good beer sponsor. Our buddy, uh, Jeep Called Yeti, that was on the show a couple yeah, yeah. of weeks ago, uh, has said a lot of nice stuff about Hess, Mike Hess Brewing, which is uh, down in San Diego. So he does a lot There's of There's like stuff. 140 breweries in San Diego County now. I know. When I lived down there, there was only like 10. And now there's, yeah. Those 10 had babies, and then their babies had babies. It's great. It's <laughs> yeah. great. 
But um, yeah, we're gonna bail out of here and uh, yep, be kicking it back up in a little, in a few minutes. You'll never, you'll never know this. <laughs> all right, everybody. Sweet. You have any good, good sign offs? That's for all this my segment? sign offs. That's it. This is his sign off. Late. Friday. Actually, in Australia, in a lot of the places I mentioned today, a lot of those countries that listen to us, um, it's Saturday. So we don't come out on Fridays. We come out on Saturdays. Um, last but not least for t- this week's show, I know it's been a long time coming. It's been a whole friggin' month. Well, nearly a month uh, since Solstice Slam ended. June 1st was the, uh, the Solstice Slam show. And uh, a few things have happened since then. Of course, we had Liza and Jim in town the next weekend after that. Um, I forget even what I just mentioned last week. Oh, Born Free and all that stuff. So there's been a lot of a lot of crazy stuff happening. Um, and so this week, I want to announce the winners. I had Liza help me vote and Chris help me vote. So it's not just me this year. And I believe last year I had a few of the people that had given prizes out help me decide but this year i had liza chris myself and here's who we decided is the winner of 2018's solstice slam three in first place with balls of steel is chris chris a the guy who ran into a car and had his testicles dent his gas tank now he's the proud owner of a Harley Davidson, but that rebel tested his metal, and he tested its metal, literally, with his test tackles. So, uh, Chris, um, expect your prize pack to be coming in the uh, the mail soon, or we may just deliver it to you. You're, you're local here to L.A., so that happened to you in Pasadena. Maybe we'll meet in Pasadena at the intersection where it happened and uh, make you relive it and make you reenact it for us. Uh, so yes, thank you very much for your submission to this year's Salsa Slam. In second place, very touching and true to my heart, and Liza really didn't like any more other than the balls one. But uh, we came to a common decision that the submission by Chris Singsheim, the uh, why why creative writing motivates me. And uh, the stuff that you've done for me. And, and in return, Chris, I have to say, nay, brother, nay. The stuff that you've done for me. Putting up with me during this uh, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. Um, being on the show 3,000 times. Sometimes planned. Sometimes sometimes the audio quits on you. <laughs> uh, sometimes unplanned. A quick, hey, buddy, do you want to chat tonight about this stuff? So thank you for all that you actually do for creative writing. And if we motivate you to get out there and buy all sorts of weird, crazy bikes and race them and take them through the backwoods of Wisconsin, buddy, we've done our job and, uh, keep up the good work with what you're doing. Thank you for participating on our solstice or on our, uh, motorcycle podcasters challenge team. And that's why I didn't want to talk to you and Paul about it last week. I didn't want it to seem like a conflict of interest. Uh, we decided this obviously before the motorcycle podcasters challenge started, but we just haven't announced the results yet. Uh, cause I just got around to doing the, uh, the patron video myself and, uh, Wiggs was out of town. So I had to go ahead and do all that. 
And I do want to announce that the winner, uh, uh, the patron winner, who um, these are patrons that are uh, $5 or more a month, which is a generous, generous handout. Thank you very much, guys, for your support and girls. Um, but you had to submit it by the end of the Solstice Slam. So there's a couple of you new patrons that uh, came on after the Solstice Slam has ended. But don't worry. Spooky Spokes is your next chance to, to win a prize. But the five original OGs that had uh, been members before the campaign or of the campaign uh, when it started that were uh, members before Solstice Slam ended uh, was Matt, Corey, Lance, Paul, and Chris. I tossed some knives. The patrons can see it on the Patreon website. And I actually made it public. So if you want to go to patreon.com forward slash creative writing, you can see who won. And uh, do you guys want me to tell you or do you guys want to figure it out? Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The winner was Lance. And he actually kind of won twice. I threw some knives at a target. And he almost got a bullseye twice. It must have been that blue knife. And here's how I did it so that you know it was completely random. I wrote their names down in different colored Sharpies. And then I put that color Sharpie on a knife and threw it. So it was totally random. I didn't try to like do it for anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like I didn't even know whose uh, name was what or what knife was what. I, I think I vaguely remembered as I was... <laughs> As I was throwing the knives So I try to keep it as random And as up to chance as possible Just as much as reaching into a hat And pulling out a name I threw a knife very poorly At a target I might add And uh, whichever one stuck the closest To, this, to the uh, Well the closest One And it was Lance And of course it was Lance Because now I gotta ship it through customs again And claim a whole bunch of crap again Lance, when are you going to move to southern Canada, a.k.a. northern Wisconsin? Or when is when are we just, I don't know, when is it going to be easier to ship to Canada? All right, bud, so your patron prize pack is going to be heading to you in the mail. And everybody, Spooky Spokes is your next chance to win. We're going to have to figure something out cool for that. Um, I just want to say thanks to everybody for listening to this week's show. We're going to cut it short. Uh, current events, there's a lot coming up. We'll get to all that next week. All right. Have a good weekend. Ride safe and fart on your seat. Oh, God. That was a bad sign off. Mm.